Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Outcast Catholic. That's right, your favorite Catholic podcast from Sioux City, hottest place in between Sioux Falls and Omaha. Here we are with you, ready for a great conversation. I'm your host, Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. <laughs> Good intro. Thanks, yeah, I was yeah. working on that. I know all of our Sioux Falls and Omaha listeners will just I told be you, so envious now. I think I said that now. on like the first episode that that was a t-shirt I saw. It said uh-huh. Sioux City, the hottest place between Sioux Falls and Omaha. Yeah, we were competing with Elk Point and Missouri Valley for that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's that's a great comparison that only people who live on the 29 belt would ever understand. Of course, yeah. That's, that's To all of our listeners fun. around the rest of the country who don't know I-29, just imagine it's it. Great, it's a happy spot. little place. Yeah, it's a great spot. I, from where I live in Lamar's, the you know the divided highway that go, shoots to the interstate is it's a pretty slick shot. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to my friend uh, who's a priest in the Panhandle of Oklahoma. Okay, and he's from Oklahoma City, and so he's only lived driving on interstates. And he said he didn't he didn't visit an interstate for like four months with mm-hmm. his priesthood. And I thought, oh, how the tables have turned. Right. Uh, I thought I was the country bumpkin, but. Now he but is. he's probably enjoying the peace and the quiet he and the is. lack of gridlock traffic. I think so. Yep. Yeah. Good for him. And I am too, because it's Iowa, so there's really not a lot of that going on. Right. You always know exactly how long it will take you to get somewhere. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's new with your students? How have things been going up north? School, yeah, school's been going really well. Um, I always, like, forget. It just kind of flies by. There's, like, it does. There's, lots of good things happening. Oh, Gosh, we just had something fun happen. I'm trying to remember what it was. We're planning a retreat. That's going to be kind of good. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I'll think about it in a couple of minutes and then, All right. and then say it. We'll circle back. Yeah, we'll circle back to it. Yeah. Okay. We do have an update, though. What's that? Well, you know, everybody wants to know about the moped. Well, of course, the snow has gone. Spring is here. Give right. us an update. It's moped season. Well, it is moped season. It, it was a premature moped season a few weeks ago. And it was really, really nice out, like 65 degrees. So, of course, I had to pull it out. Of course. And, the you know, the electric starter wasn't working so well. Um, okay. But after a while, it started. However, I'm pretty convinced that the battery is completely dead. However, mopeds have kickstarts. Oh. So, you don't need the electric start. Um, so, I was, I was driving around for a bit, uh, which was good. Good times. Um, <laughs> Let it be known for anyone who ever thinks that Father Travis doesn't want to be mocked or ridiculed for driving a moped. He brought it up willingly on his own I accord just, today. I did find out that, um, and I'll shout him out because I don't think they're listening to this podcast. Uh, my DRE Carmen and another priest in the diocese told me recently that they text each other with a picture of the moped. So, so like Carmen will text this picture to other people when she sees my moped outside the parish with just a bitmoji with a big L for being a loser. And I'm like, what? You're, I thought you're these they're creating were memes about you. Li- I'm just, I'm just a meme, which this goes to Jeff Fenewald, the seminary for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, who made fun of me and said I would become like the moped priest. And I said, no, I won't. Um, it's not really that big of a deal, except that I make things a big deal. So it's becoming a big deal right now. Sure. But, it's chill, okay? The moped is in the garage. It's going to come out. It's going to be a nice zippy, you know, trip to the... But I've noticed... I did start a little bit of a uh, 
I was going to say zippy trip to the school. I did start a little trend. So some of these senior guys who haven't ridden a moped for four years because it's lame if you're a high school senior. Of course, they have cars. Anybody, right. Well, they whipped them out because they realized how enjoyable it is to just take a nice little moped cruise. So a couple weeks ago, they had theirs out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, tell me. Let me me get this straight. Father Travis Crotty, priest of Jesus Christ, are you telling me that you are a trendsetter among 18-year-olds who want to get back on their seventh grade experiences of riding mopeds. Is that what you're telling me? The one and only. That's me. What can wow. I say? <laughs> the trendsetter in Plymouth County, Iowa. Yeah, that's me. That Just soak up the glory. Soak up the glory. This actually, uh, that applause reminds me. Um, this is one other hilarious thing. Um, my parents came to town recently, which was great. And we went to Bowling Alley, which is kind of fun. Okay. What else do you do okay. in Lamar's? Um, I'm not terrible at bowling. My parents like to bowl. It's kind of random, but we did it. All right. Um, the sixth grade volleyball team was there on having their little, uh, uh you know, volleyball party after the season volley kind of, they had like, a, it's an out of season volleyball thing. I was going to say it's been I a know, while. I know, I know. They, <laughs> they had this little post basketball volleyball, I think, um, kind of clinic tournament thing. Okay. So all these like sixth grade girls and then they're like younger siblings and all the families are there at the bowling alley. The sixth grade girls would cheer me on every time that I bowled. <laughs> Did they think you needed help? I, Did they think I you think needed so. encouragement from the gutter say, balls going honestly, in? Honestly, there was no gutter balls. Easy. Of course. They, um, I think I think they actually messed me up. I was kind oh. of in the zone, and then they started cheering, and then I'd mess up because I had a crowd. So Lost your focus. Yeah, but, you know, one could do worse than having a, a, <laughs> a gang of sixth grade volleyball g- girls, you know, cheering you on. So You are popular. What can I say? The sheep you know? follow the shepherd, they really and, they, and they watch your example. Really what do. good spiritual fatherhood. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. We'll see how the moped goes. Anyways, um, this question has come up now a couple times in the past week. I thought it'd be good to talk about it, especially as we approach the central mystery of our salvation, a little soteriology or understanding of our salvation. But people ask this all the time. What happened to everybody who died before Jesus? Mm-hmm. So everybody's got a pretty, like, general christian understanding of okay if you're good you go to heaven if you're bad you go to hell mm-hmm. let's say well father what happened before jesus did everybody who lived in the entire world for however many centuries people were on this planet just go to hell because jesus wasn't there comes really up all the time doesn't it all the time yeah people were really confused by that um then the other question is kind of the, on the back half of christianity is well so what are you trying to tell me everybody who's not christian or who hasn't heard about jesus in the whole world they're condemned to hell. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're telling me, Father? It's a very timely question. You know, in the springtime, the Easter season, looking at uh, where did Jesus go between Good Friday and Easter Sunday? Yes. What was what was happening and unfolding in that mystery of Holy Saturday? Right. It's a very timely question. The first place to start is the creed, actually, because we say he descended into hell. What? Was he burning in the flames? Exactly. Is that what you're where telling me, Father? Where is he going? I think a great image to use that would be really helpful is that if you use the device that you're listening to this on, unless you're in your car radio, but maybe a fancy car has a fun little navigation pad thing, mm-hmm. probably not that you can look at the internet. That would be dangerous while you're driving. Probably. Don't do that. Um, look up a picture of the icon of the Orthodox or just Eastern icon of the resurrection. Our icons or images of the resurrection is usually Jesus kind of hovering maybe or standing over like an open kind of like coffin with like a banner, like a victory. 
However, the Orthodox and Byzantine and Eastern Christian iconography is Jesus in this quote-unquote hell or this place, but he's pulling two people, sometimes two. It's a kind of controversial if it's both two. Uh, two, a man and a woman up out of tombs, and it's supposed to be Adam and Eve. Mm. And then behind him are kind of the patriarchs of David and Solomon and I think John the Baptist is there who would have just died mm-hmm. previously and a couple other people in the background. Um, so he was at work when he was descending into this place right. called hell. Right. And I I usually refer to it as the land of the just. Yes. You or know, the, maybe this could probably get confusing with the word, but the limbo of the fathers is what it's been called too. Yeah, limbo is kind of a difficult yeah, word. It's a game you play, try to get under a bar, and it's just kind of weird. Well, that, but also just the, okay, (laughs) but also uh, just theologically, you know, questions of limbo come up, especially with unbaptized children. And that was, you know, a raging issue in the Middle Ages, and we don't really use that word anymore. But, um, yeah, this land of the the just, I mean, the holy souls who died before our Lord, you know, before the gates of heaven were open and, and salvation had been won for the human race through the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, those holy souls were just not like permanently lost. Right. It's not like we were just filling up hell because, oops, Jesus hadn't been born yet. No Christmas yet, no salvation. Right. No, he, came, he went to go redeem all of those who would participate in the gift of his resurrection and defeat of sin and death. Really through their desire while they were living for, by serving the will of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Those are the chosen Jewish people, and even perhaps those outside who, by light of their own conscience, pursuit of goodness, truth, and beauty, were seeking a salvation beyond what this world could offer. Right. And I think the clearest place to understand the church's teaching on this matter, well, I say clear, and then you'd read it and need clarification, but the document Lumen Gentium from the Second Vatican Council, which means light of the nations, Second Vatican Council documents and Vatican documents, they use the first two words of the document for the title, Mm -hmm. But it's a document about the church, and there's, if you remember the paragraph, that'd be really helpful, because I can't remember. I don't know where you're going with this. About salvation, just like about salvation, especially those outside the church, right? Because we look like before Christ and then after Christ, but there's this question of who who can be saved, right? right? Okay, so Jesus, and we've seen through the scriptures and the teachings of the church for 2,000 years, is our definitive way of being saved. And scripture says that there's no salvation apart from Christ. So then the question is, what is that salvation and how does Jesus save? Um, but the, the council document makes clear that there are rays of truth present in the different religions of the world that are seeking that which is true, good, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like those who are in this land of the just, who are truly seeking the will of God, if there's this strong desire for goodness and truth, and beauty in life, and you're seeking that. Um, we're not saying that you're automatically condemned to hell, mm-hmm. but that there's not automatic salvation, because salvation comes from Christ, who's won that for us. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky balance. Um, you know, we have to remind people that God is not just simply bound to operate within the seven sacraments. Mm-hmm. God is not only bound to work within the confines of Roman Catholicism. These are, these are privileged gifts that he has established uh, for the building up, the sanctification of his people. Um, but he's not bound to work by them. And certainly there can be graces that are operative 
by his holy will outside of those institutions or outside of those structures that Jesus founded. And that it is possible for someone to, to participate in the gift of salvation outside of that. And the balance, of course, comes by saying that also, but without, without minimizing Catholicism. Right. You know, like, oh, you don't really need it. You know, you can go carve your own path, blaze your own trail, and come up with your version of finding the true God. And then somehow it'll all work out in the end. Yeah. Well, no, don't, don't rest that. People, people, right. And I've noticed with comments people make, especially today, in the kind of, well, like our previous episode about kind of good vibes only. Right. In the kind of post-Christian secular society we live in, it, it very quickly devolves into like a universalism that, right. well, okay, everybody want, is a, everybody just wants to be kind to be a good person. And if you, if you basically just do that, you're fine. He's going to, God's going to work everything out. Come yeah. on. He's not, it's, it's a Jesus. He's not a, not a mean guy. Yeah. Jesus. However, I was just reading the passion <laughs> recently <laughs> at a Palm Sunday mass that right. I was proclaiming the passion. Jesus told Judas, it'd be better if the son, if the guy who betrayed the son of man had never been born. Right. He's not joking about the need for conversion and actually like conforming our, our lives to him. Right. And anyone who's ever just seen the passion of Christ or any of these, these graphic depictions of the crucifixion, uh, going out and finding your own version of Christianity that somehow doesn't honor and walk in the footsteps of a God who was brutally executed, uh, treated as a criminal, you know, how can, well, I'm just nice, so I'm worthy to be saved. How does that somehow honor the great paradigm of salvation in which God underwent horrific, excruciating suffering for you. I mean, how does your lifestyle of, I'm just going to be a nice, good person, <laughs> how does that somehow just get immersed into this reality that God bled profusely for you? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, yeah, the, this, this whole di- idea of good vibes only, uh, and I'm just going to cr- create my own sense of salvation and it'll all work out in the end, if, if your life of holiness, if your quest for salvation is not deeply involved with honoring the crucifixion and death and resurrection of Jesus and walking those footsteps with him in your own context, then I think it's going to be pretty awkward on Judgment Day when he says, how are you worthy of being one of my disciples? Right. I'm not saying you, know, you have to go out and look for pain and suffering, right. but mm. Jesus does say, take up your cross and follow me. And th- there's something very honorable about doing that. There is something about you know following the great example and running with the Savior, the way He runs, mm-hmm. uh, and it just can't just be well. I'm just a nice person. It's all going to work out in the end. No, that doesn't honor what Christ has done for you. Mm. Nor does it honor all those people. I mean, just think of all the ancient prophets of ancient Israel who suffered tremendously to prepare the hearts for the coming of the Messiah. You know, when Jesus goes to save those folks and, and bring them into his gift of, of resurrected life on Holy Saturday, how can you say that I was just working on being a nice person? How, could you, how would you even want to stand in the company of the great martyrs and the prophets of old who went before you? <laughs> As they're holding their instruments of torture like yeah. a glass, and you're like, well, I was a real nice guy. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so here I am. I, I earned my wedding garment, yeah. my white wedding garment for the eternal banquet feast of heaven by being nice. Well, as you're, no, thanks for saying that. That was really helpful. I was just thinking, perhaps when we feel the most outcast from Christianity, it's, it's difficult to make sense of this, this tired phrase, well, Jesus died for our sins. 
I can remember part times in my life where I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. It's there's this vague idea of we have a crucifix on the wall, we stick a palm branch behind it because it's good and it's special, and it has something to do with what happens at mass. And I guess he gave us his body and blood at the Last Supper, and he died for my sins. That's why I have to go to confession. It's like it's all kind of like piecemealed together, and sometimes it's not always understood. What, what, what does that actually mean? There's so much to talk about of the of the teaching and understanding of salvation and different understandings of how Jesus saved us through his humanity and through his divinity. But I think one thing that's helped me to make it personal and understand that this actually invites me to a relationship of love with him is just this kind of teaching that if Jesus really is truly God and truly man, then in his humanity, he truly suffered on the cross. But yet in his divinity, being omniscient and all-knowing, he he knew every one of us. Mm. And he really could, because of his divinity, take our sins and, and know them on the cross. Mm-hmm. So when we have these moments of struggle in our life, Jesus knew that on the cross. Not just a kind of a pious way to say that. Like, no, if he really is God, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, he that, he that was with him on the cross. Mm-hmm. And he left that at the cross and in the grave, and he rose to new life um, and redeemed whatever experience of, of kind of pain and suffering and experience we're having. That calls to something so much greater than just being nice to realize that the God of the universe suffered and died, not just in general, but suffered and died for me personally, for these specific experiences of my life that I have had and will have. And for the holy souls that came before him. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to tie it back into what this is all about. Right, yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, so there's there's wonderful themes uh, to keep chewing on in the in this Easter season that we now enjoy. There's a lot of Easter glory that's just being proclaimed around the world. Uh, and that Easter glory actually extends back in time, doesn't it? It does, it, Yes. It extends beyond kind of what we do, we know as our you know three dimensional reality here, uh, back in time to all the holy souls who came before our Lord, and forward a grace that will be extended to all the holy souls still to come who will be worthy of the gift of of resurrected life. And I think that's what that icon is trying to show that Jesus pulling Adam and Eve, these first human beings with original sin, out of that experience of waiting, of of pulling these these holy and just kings of, of the land of Israel. Um, it's funny in the Eastern churches, they have old Testament characters as contemporary, like as saints that they still celebrate. We don't really have that in in the West and the Roman right as much, but Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are saints that have a feast day. Right. Um, because God fulfills his promise. Right. He didn't just leave, leave him hanging. Hey, thanks for being like a placeholder for, uh, this people of Israel. No, he wanted to fulfill the promise that he made through those covenants. Right. Yeah, they, were, they weren't just placeholders. They were key components, key personages that brought about the long-awaited Savior of Israel right? and a Savior who continues to impact us to this day. So glory to Jesus Christ for his salvation. Mm-hmm. Happy awesome. Easter. It's good to visit with you, Father Travis. Absolutely. Always wonderful. Uh, more updates on the moped to come, and happy Easter, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.